Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. that bass it can only mean one thing wherever you are whenever you are and however you happen to be listening we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to dlc especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run maybe you're in your car maybe you're in commute traffic we're with you we're going to be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Third Love and Indeed Prime. They're bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games and there are many forms games played on desktops, laptops and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who does not sweat, he glows. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. I glow like season one and season two. Um, Mm, You're a a gorgeous lady of wrestling, is is what you're saying. A little less season three glow. Like, still, it's like (laughs) a good glow, I've heard, but not quite as good. You know, summertime glow, baby. Um, <laughs> we got a lot to talk about this week. There's a there's a lot of really interesting video game news. There's a lot of games to get to. I think we're going to actually have a tabletop time, which we haven't had in a while. And that is because, ladies and gentlemen, we have an awesome guest to do all of this with. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh, man, I'm excited because DLC stands for divulged by a little canary because you know a little birdie told me or you could say an informer like a game (laughs) informer oh boy stretching i'm stretching but i liked it uh from game informer we have ben hansen joining us once again it's been too long ben welcome back oh thank you so much it's been so long i'm so excited to be back though it's so fun just the energy you guys bring already i'm getting pumped over here awesome yeah well we're all pumped uh, we I got a lot to get. going to be Stretch Armstrong with that intro for sure. I thought it was going <laughs> to be. <laughs> Your host is Stretch Armstrong. <laughs> okay, well, let's get right into it. We got a lot to get to. So let's start the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. See, because they say a little birdie told me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, I, I listen i mean always the game informer show that's how they always start every show um <laughs> we're very into the informer thing a lot of yeah. snow gets brought up all the time no it's crazy like the last time i was on this show it was what like four years ago and so oh, that was when we kind of rebooted the game informer show podcast and i think tim turry was on it with me since that time tim turry has unfortunately left game informer went to capcom for years left there and is now at playstation on the playstation blogs cast so it's the yeah. world has shifted good to know we're still here three jobs later yeah and christian and i are still making dumb puns about the dlc name well all right 
Still going right. strong. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com or by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love getting your feedback. We love the community that's over on the subreddit. So take part, participate. We love it. Ben, you are our guest, so you do get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Oh my gosh, it's a tough call. It's such a weird week, right? Because of Comic-Con, so much movie news, TV news is happening. So trying to carve out what is gaming related here. There was a story early in the week that caught my eye because I used to really love PUBG. I haven't played as much in the last couple of years. Right when it came out, it it was one of my favorite games of the year. But there's a story early in the week about basically PUBG embracing lore. Uh, which really Mm. captured my imagination. So they're kicking off season four on July 24th, and they released this CG trailer where the original map, the beloved map for the game, they reveal that there is basically a story of a boy who grew up on that island, he was the sole survivor, and that he is actually running the battlegrounds for PUBG, which is an absurd premise, but I am all for just that insane idea. His name is Paul Ubgy. <laughs> what I want to know is honestly, are they going to call him Player Unknown? It'd be bizarre to like rope in the creator in that way, but I guess you could, right? Yeah, it would sort of retrofit the title to this new lore. That's interesting. Um, I, I think this is actually kind of cool uh, that they're still trying to do this. I mean, it doesn't really matter. I don't know if any of the people that are playing PUBG right now uh, are are clamoring for this, but I I like the fact that they're interested in actually kind of adding flavor to what is uh, you know a rinse and repeat kind of just mechanical experience. And I know that Fortnite has been doing all kinds of fun stuff with that with their seasons, adding uh, interesting bits of things happening in the background, little mysteries to solve, and all that kind of thing. Um, you know, we we talk about Fortnite being ruling the world. I was shocked to learn that PUBG sold 4.7 million units just in 2019 so far. What? That's insane. 4.7 million people went, I'm going to play PUBG for the first time. I'm going to buy <laughs> PUBG for the first time. I was shocked. So it. I think there's this perception that the game is being trounced by Fortnite and is old news, but 4.7 million new copies this year is nothing to sneeze at. That's a mega hit. No, Just absolutely. this year. That's on top of what they've sold, you know, in the past two or three, however long it's been out. So, you know, all these new players, maybe they want some lore. Are, are you, Ben, are you, do you think this is a cool idea? I do. Like, I think it'll probably get me to go back to that island. So when the, you know, season four drops, they say they're going to have more teases and like, you know, basically seeding that lore into that original map. They're kind of remastering the original map as well, because originally it wasn't designed for vaulting and other mechanics that they've added to the game throughout the life of the game. Um, and, you know, it's silly. I totally get it. I agree. It's not going to change the way anybody plays, but why the hell not? Like, it's a popular game. Let's go ahead and put some story in there. And then there's also that project from a couple of weeks ago or months ago when it was announced that Glenn Schofield from, you know, EA and Dead Space and Call of Duty fame, that he was going to be building a new narrative game set within the PUBG universe, which everybody scoffs at, but it kind of falls in an umbrella for me a little bit like the Lego movie, right? Where it's like, yeah, that sounds like a ridiculous premise, but if it's a wide open field, why not let somebody play in it? Yeah, yeah, I would. I scoffed at the Lego movie when it was announced, and it's it was my favorite movie of that year. So it's it's possible to turn these 
these things that really don't have any story into something interesting. And, and as you said, sometimes that blank slate is actually a, a bigger potential for doing something creative and cool. Christian, I know you played a whole bunch of PUBG back in the day. I don't think you've touched it in quite a while, have you? I, I bought 4.6 million copies this year, but I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> that was generous of you. What are you, what are you doing with – you didn't want to go the full 4.7. You just went you – there's a thousand pe- or 100,000 people that are uh, <laughs> yeah. bought it, yeah. and you made up the extra 4.6 million. Yeah. Gotcha. I mean, I had to do that, and then they said I could write lore for the game, so it seems <laughs> – um, no, it's crazy. Oh, I was just in um, I was just in South Korea like two months ago, just a really brief stop. But I was amazed just the amount of PUBG merchandise that they had sitting around in the airport. Like they're really pushing it hard. I think it's that weird, you know, hometown proud thing for PUBG. But I never expected to see so many merchandise tie-ins there. It's still it's still hmm. popular. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I like story, and I think it's easy to scoff at the idea of, you know, retroactive adding story to something. But I think there are numerous examples of things that weren't necessarily story heavy getting story added to it or expanded upon, right? Where like all there was was lore, um, but there's actually a larger story that then someone tells out of that. And I think to some extent, you know, and, and hopefully the Destiny Defense Force doesn't come at me for this because I don't mean it to be negative, but so much of Destiny's story was actually lore, right? Like the Grimoire cards, and they built upon that. Like they clearly had a roadmap for story behind this stuff, but they, I think a lot of these things start with cool characters, cool looking characters doing cool things, and then tell a world with those characters. And it also ties into. Um, Jeff, we had talked about, I think it was last week when we talked about um, the uh, newly announced, we're going to talk about some Netflix this week too, but at the, oh, the uh, Cuphead show, it's name right. brand recognition, right? So it's like, like, like we talked about PUBG is still very popular. They're going to add a story to it. I wouldn't be surprised if there's already a comic book or there's going to be a comic book soon. Um, I could pitch a heck of a PUBG movie that's basically a version of the Raid Redemption, right? Like it's in a town and a person, they drop in. I mean, it's, it's Hunger Games. You don't Games. want to do a it's, version it's, of it's Battle Royale. Right, movie exactly. Battle Royale. Right, but what I'm saying, like, but that, so the buzzwords now would be, Battle Royale meets Raid Redemption with the taste of John Wick. And I, I think I just got a movie greenlit, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think it totally works. I think it seems a little silly the way they're doing it. But I hope I hope they lean into that silliness because PUBG over the years has started to embrace a little bit more silly. And I, I, I like that in Fortnite. And I think PUBG could have a little more of it too. It doesn't change the fact that it's a more air quote realistic physics playground if they embrace silly characters and the idea of some mega wealthy dude playing the dangerous game on the private island he was orphaned on like yes that sounds just like the right kind of bizarre right like i want to know all about that (laughs) yeah and i want to know why uh the joker was on that island for a little bit there and there was that mission impossible tie-in like what's the lore connecting all these universes it's a do you have to explain all of the all of the skins that you can get uh-huh. and all the weird items yeah his like infatuation with frying pans you know like oh, oh yeah, i got a yeah. frying pan yeah he got his first kill with a frying pan ever so now he's just littered him around the island trying to get people <laughs> to use them again like come on it was really cool i like i like it yeah, I think it could be cool too. I, I I dig the fact that they're swinging for this, and um, it's uh, 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 Call of Duty De- Dead Space's Glenn Schofield 
is creating that narrative game, which is uh, what what uh, Ben was talking about. That that sounds interesting too. So they're they're creating this universe, this PUBG universe of games. Which why not? Why, why not? not? All right, Christian. What is your story of the week? So I have a story of the week I could pitch you, but I also have a thought of the week that Ben kind of hit on when we first started talking. And I'd like to start with that. And then if we need more like newsy stuff, we can, there's plenty more to talk about, but we don't have a, we don't have a thought of the week jingle, man. It's the thought of the thought of the thought of the thought of the week. Um, now we do <laughs> Sean got work to do, buddy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, with Comic-Con being over uh and every what i would call video game website not to negatively label them but as i used to think of them as having all of the comic-con um coverage on them i'm sure there are exceptions when did we get in this world when air quote gamer websites are just pop culture websites but also don't cover all games Right, like there's too many games, and gaming's too big to cover. So a lot of what I would call, thank you. But I would call. I was forced to do it. (laughs) I know. I appreciate it. Uh, (laughs) There are already a lot of digital delights to play, Um, but yet the same what I would call quote gamer sites don't cover um, mobile games in a large way, uh, or, or a lot of very um, Eve online will get covered every once in a while or whatever. Right. But then also every Marvel movie, um, Lion King has Disney movies, DC movies, comic book movies. And don't get me wrong. Genre stuff. Genre stuff. Yeah. That Venn diagram represents me, but are these not gaming websites? Is it just pop culture, eighties, 90 kids sites? Like when did this happen? and, And what is it? It's, uh, eyeballs websites right that's all they want is eyeballs and if if you're into that stuff if you if they know that you're that venn diagram they're going to serve you stuff that your eyeballs want to see right yeah. i don't want- i mean ben you're the expert here on this <laughs> oh gosh yeah i think gameformer.com is pretty good about this overall but it's tough to resist and when you're looking at the numbers and you have like hey here's a hour-long interview with jenova chen you know random example that was just on our website it's like uh, a couple people will click into that yet you have hey, here's a picture of Roach from the Witcher 3 show coming up. You know, so many more people just want to see that simple image. It's like, well, what's the takeaway? What do we do here? Do we just stand our ground or we just embrace, I guess we're more of just kind of a nerd culture, gamer culture type site. It's really tough to, I think, resist that traffic when it's right there. I was saying to you guys before the show started that I basically can't go to Polygon anymore because if I haven't seen the movie that came out, Immediately, there's 14 stories about every tiny little detail of the plot of the movie that came out on Friday. So, and you just, it, in the headline, it's like, you know, the ending of Endgame <laughs> d- detailed, yeah. and they'll like write it out. And it's not that there's one article, there's 14 articles, each with a tiny, tiny little part of those stories, a tiny little plot detail that they rip out and make its own article. And I understand, I understand the economics of making a website. I understand that multiple articles means multiple clicks, means multiple eyeballs, means better revenue for your site. I get it. But uh, I basically have stopped visiting Polygon for that reason, because it's just like, oh, I can just scroll down and see the entire story of the movie that came out. <laughs> it's a flip rather book. not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd rather it's the novelization in, in headline form. <laughs> um, 
And I just would rather not participate in that. But I don't have a problem per se with video game sites, quote unquote, covering things that aren't strictly video games. I don't, I don't, you know, if, if they want to talk about Lion King, there's a Lion King video game. There's, these are, it's sort of this pan media experience that we're all existing in. And I, I have no problem with that. It's like Comic-Con. Comic-Con is very, very little about comic books at this point, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Christian, like, where do you think the line is? Like, if you were building your gaming site, where would you draw that line? Because I think it's really tough to nail down. I think it's super tough, especially if you're trying to have your gaming site be a business that pays its writers and graphic designers and everybody that it takes to run it well. Um, like, to I don't dislike it. I mean, I, I don't... Uh, hate them for it by any stretch of the imagination but i think for me it's like i like my my wells a little more isolated where it's like i want to read gaming things if i want to read about marvel things i I want to go to that like i like to have those different buckets that i can kind of look at for depending on what type of news i want to see and when there's too much of one thing it feels cluttered to me like oh i gotta scroll through all this comic-con stuff of like here's 80 articles about the mcu and disney plus before i can read about um wolfenstein youngblood or something like that that is getting zero coverage this week well but there's an argument i mean ben makes a good point about where's the line because if you want to read about wolfenstein coverage maybe there's probably a wolfenstein fan site that only talks wolfenstein there's probably uh, the the first person shooter specialty yeah. website that you can go to, you know, it's how, where is the line? You you want a, a pan video games website, but may, you know somebody else is like, oh, you're talking about RPGs. All I care about is first person yeah, shooters. That's a good point. Where is that line? I, yeah, it's really tricky. And like you hear it from the community a lot too. Like I thought you covered video games every time we would bring up the Detective Pikachu, you know, movie on our podcast, anything like that. And it's tough because then also you're getting a lot of people saying, hey, why don't you record a record a spoiler discussion about the new Star Wars, the new Avengers, you know, and it's like, well, OK, yeah. which which audience do we try and court here? I guess the one that's just more fun for us and them, which is, yeah, we want to talk about nerdy stuff every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I want to bring up the new trailer for Netflix's The Witcher. <laughs> Hot damn. <laughs> I actually do want to get you guys' opinion about that, but that's not my story of the week. Christian, did you have something else on this topic? I I think what it is, I think it's interesting to see this trend as it, they are more and more fully embracing that, right? Like all of the major sites. And again, I think it's interesting. Just, I'm curious what our audience thinks about it. And I guess the, the hard part is my line for me, right? Is the Anakin Skywalker approach to the universe. I want everything to be exactly how I want it. And then everyone will like it, right? (laughs) That's (laughs) clearly not the answer, but it's like, I want this to have all the things that i'm interested in and nothing else make that for me oh you mean like a twitter list oh god no definitely not that like a facebook group oh no 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 that sounds awful like a google reader well they'll shut that down in a week that's not gonna work so yeah well you guys have left me with so many potential stories of the week there's so much juicy stuff i'm having a difficult time uh selecting so we're going to talk about several because we, we have to weigh in on on some of this stuff the one I'm, if you if you're going to use Christian's other thought of the week experiment, maybe this is news, but it's also a thought. Uh, this one has me really questioning myself and where I stand. Christian, you and I talked about this a little IRL, but I think a lengthy discussion is in order. There was a, a bit of a 
kerfuffle this week about Gears 5 and the fact that studio head Rod Ferguson uh, of the studio making Gears 5 uh, talked about how there's no smoking in Gears. There's no, nobody is going to be smoking. No, no cigarettes, no cigars, no smoking in Gears. And there was a bit of a backlash uh, of people saying, oh, that's censorship. Why would you sen- Why did you yank all the smoking out of our cool <laughs> video game? Why did you make it so uncool? And uh, Ferguson was like, uh, that's not at all what happened. I, he said, ever notice that the dizzy concept art for Gears 2 has a cigarette, but the actual character in the game doesn't? I stopped it all the way back at Gears 2. And uh, he said smoking was not actually removed from the f- from the games. It just was never there. He said no censorship. There was no smoking. So nothing was censored. And the reason he didn't want to put sen- uh, smoking in these games is uh, actually a really powerful reason. He had friends and even his own father who died from smoking-induced illnesses. And he didn't want to glamorize smoking in video games. I'm in favor of this. I think smoking is uh, kind of a disgusting habit and one that shouldn't be promoted either. But Christian, you and I were talking about this a little bit and going, you know, if we believe that showing someone smoking in Gears of War is makes it more likely that they'll try smoking or like promotes it or makes it cool or makes or it glamorizes like, it. Yeah. yeah. How should we feel about having a chainsaw gun <laughs> cut? something in half from head to toe. And, you know, I I don't know if we're going to come to easy answers here, but I think it's a really interesting topic because I play lots of violent video games, as do we all, I I think it's fair to say. And I do not believe inherently that a violent video game makes a violent person. But if I'm going to sit here and think a smoking video game can make a smoking person – why is there a disconnect? Why is why do I have cognitive cognitive dissonance on one and not the other? Ben, what do you think about this? Oh, you're going to put that on me? Uh, let's yeah, see. Man. Just just answer the simple question. <laughs> just rip a sweet guess... cigarette and answer the question. Uh, this reminds me. Uh, so I think maybe it's because there isn't a whole industry built on you would really love to tear somebody apart with a chainsaw, wouldn't you? There's a whole industry built on, isn't it feel great to squeeze the trigger of a gun and shoot something? I guess that's true. All right, the chainsaw part threw me off. But yeah, I guess that's a decent point. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's, is the addiction element, is that is that a core part of the argument here? Just the idea that, you know, Maybe. you know, going and firing a gun at a gun range in a best case scenario, that won't be addicting. Whereas everything about smoking <laughs> cigarettes is designed for that. I think that's actually a very strong point and one I did not consider is that, yes, you're, nicotine is an addictive substance and if you try it a few times, there's a chance that you can't stop. And I think that potentially takes it out of the hands of this, uh, this thing can hook you on something that you don't want to be hooked on but that it will change your life and, and hurt your life. But my counterpoint to that might – and I, I actually think that's a very persuasive argument. Uh, but I, my counterpoint to that might be it only takes one time to squeeze the trigger at something to make it horrible and awful, right? So you don't have to be addicted to it. You just have to do it one time. That's true. But it is just a situation where it's like, well, here's a game. Is it going to be better or worse for having cigarettes in it? Like it's an easy fix. So let's go ahead and do that. If we want to get rid of violence overall, 
uh, we're going to have to upend the world. Uh, it seems like yeah. a much more drastic overhaul. So let's just win the small battles while we can, I guess. I think make, I think Ben makes very, very strong points here, Christian. I know you and I were struggling with this and just sort of talking about it as the story came up. Has your position evolved at all? I just think it's interesting to self-reflect on you know media and how it does affect us because I agree that um, you know all these uh, different politicians over the years from you know I'm sure even before Mortal Kombat and Doom, but it's easy to point the finger at when something happened. They would oh this person listened to Marilyn Manson and uh, played violent video games. We need to ban violent video games and maybe. To some extent, that's a version of politicians doing what Ben was talking about, where it's like stopping the real thing is much harder. Let's get rid of cigarettes and games. The politicians For sure. are like uh, right. stopping. That's absolutely. What they're yeah. Doing. Horrible yeah. acts is, is hard, but we can do this and get a small win. Um, and it feels like we're doing something even if we're not. Yeah. and I, But I do think it's interesting to consider how what we consume may or may not affect us. And I think it's easy for me to sit here and say it doesn't. But at the same time, major, major corporations with a lot of data, I assume, behind them think the opposite, right? Because like advertising is very much built to affect me. And so it, it's it's hard to say like, oh, well, that's not – I'm. I don't want to do that. That's not, they can't tell me what's cool. I'm my own person. But yet, if I look at my clothes over the last 20 years, it's very much in trends of what are cool at the time, (laughs) you know? So like peer pressure, advertising, marketing, the, the world we live in, all facets of it, I think do affect us. And so while I don't think playing the violent video games alone can make someone violent or playing a video game or watching stranger things, you know, with a bunch of smoking in it can make someone smoke. I think we do have to think about how all of our surroundings might affect us in ways we are unaware and take that into account as we consume things as a, as an informed consumer. I think it's kind of our responsibility to think about that stuff. Yeah, I don't have an answer yeah. though. <laughs> no, there isn't one, and I didn't. I just thought it made for an interesting, uh, an interesting discussion. And there isn't an answer. And I, I'm sure I will get a bunch of emails this week from people who think that we're attacking their hobby in some way, or um, suggesting violent video games are somehow bad or should or shameful. And I don't believe that. I, I have spent my entire life playing games that are violent. Um, there are times when it's super fun and freeing. There are other times when it feels a little gross and that changes from game to game. It changes from week to week. It changes based on what's going on in the world at that time. Uh, and I can't, I can't deny that in my lifetime, the number of people that pick up guns and do horrible things with them has increased. I don't think that is a corollary to, uh, the fact that video games like these are more prevalent. I don't, I think there are a lot of societal factors at play, but it's certainly something that makes me think a lot, especially as much as I'm involved in this hobby and love this hobby. I, I can't help but consider it to that point. I've enjoyed smoking in video games. Um, I know they changed what he was smoking over the course of the years in solid snake and metal gear solid, but I thought that was a really fun mechanic in metal gear solid one 
where you could smoke cigarettes to see trip lines where you could otherwise, I think have night. I forget what it was. It was like a workaround where it's like you could rip cigs. And I was like, yeah, this character would rip cigs. And this is a real, like <laughs> it's from like those eighties action movies, like of a way to get around something. And I thought it was really cool. Like, just just you saying rip cigs makes you cooler than I, I don't <laughs> know what that means exactly. Uh, all right. Well, we don't have to solve the world's problems, but I did think it was interesting. And, and I, I actually commend Rod Ferguson for standing up for himself. I mean, he basically said, he says, quote, I've seen firsthand the devastating impact of smoking. Uh, you know, good for him. You know, if he's making a piece of art and he feels strongly about it, good for him for doing what he believes in so uh i'm actually super happy that c- cigarettes and smoking are, are not a shorthand for cool anymore um, not me i'm canceling game pass <laughs> good <laughs> smart um there are lots of other stories i want to get to uh i mean this is a really interesting week and i think these these stories deserve to be talked about let's let's do it let's talk a little bit about that witcher trailer i'm sure you guys have seen it by now the one that was revealed at Comic-Con this weekend with uh, Henry Cavill as um, as the Witcher himself, Geralt of Rivia. Uh, and there, it, basically a teaser trailer that kind of shows you the tone. I thought very interestingly, it says based on the novel series, right. or based on the books, you know, v- very much couching this as a Game of Thrones type experience. No mention of a video game. No mention at all. Well, they've all said the other – they straight out said if this is not based on the games. Yeah. But clearly they could – if the game – you know, if they thought it would give them the rub they wanted, they would say, you know, based on the novel series and the best-selling video game. You know, it would, they would there would be some thing. But, I, you know, video game adaptations don't exactly inspire confidence. I wonder, Ben, yes. if this – teaser trailer inspires confidence it seems better than i expected i feel like when that first image of cavill got out there everyone's like oh boy that hair looks dumb but it actually it's yeah. it seemed uh you know uh, better produced like a higher budget than i was expecting i guess and especially like by the end when they start teasing some of the monsters like all right that's where i think it could be really special yeah i think the witcher as a series always stood out as having really interesting unique monsters it wasn't orcs and elves and all the standard fantasy fair it really had this more horror tilt to it i don't know if that teaser trailer i mean there's like a spider thing that comes out of the water at the end i never i didn't see anything that made me think oh man they're really going weird with the monsters i mean it said there's some text that comes up that says like horrible monsters or something like that but um christian what did you think of the trailer i thought it looked really good i mean i think Having uh, just recently finished Stranger Things, the most recent season, and while different and different producers, you know, Netflix has shown a willingness to spend money on special effects that look um, good, you know, not even just good for TV. They look good. And with the cast that The Witcher is bringing to the table, I have all the confidence that this is going to knock it out of the park. I don't know, but to the point of the book versus the game, I wonder if it's a licensing issue, kind of like... You can have Walking Dead things based off the comic or based off the AMC TV show. I wonder if it was different to get yeah. those rights. Um, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that you you talked just as CD, CD Projekt Red did. CD Projekt Red licensed the books to make the yeah. video game. And I'm sure that's what – just like Lord of the Rings, you can you license either the books or the movie. You don't, yeah. you know, it's, it's very, very convoluted like that. But it's a weird – 
I don't know, workaround in a way, isn't it? Then to license the books, because do we think Netflix would have done this if the game wasn't as popular? Clearly that has like raised the stock value in The Witcher to such an extent. So it's weird to be able to just bypass all that and just be like, no, 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 we're just going for the books here. <laughs> totally. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely spot on. Yeah. it's it, it would never have felt to them as a possibility if the video games weren't a big success. Um, yeah, that's an interesting point. I'm hopeful. I don't. I didn't think the teaser looked particularly good, but uh, I'm hopeful, and uh, I'm going to tune in. I'll tell you that. I'll tune in at least uh, for a few episodes to see see if it they pull it out. They say it's going to be a very adult show. The games are very adult as well, so that makes sense. Um, and they haven't yet to announce when the show premieres, but supposedly late 2019. How connected is that series to just the voice of Geralt for you? It seems like that's throwing a lot of fans off. It's like, well, it doesn't sound the same, so I can't imagine getting into it. Yeah, I, I've never been a fan of that particular voice actor's take. I just felt it was very one note, totally. and uh, so I'm I'm much more interested in in some variety and and actory chops. And I'm a I like Henry Cavill. I think he's great. So I agree that the wig is not super strong, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> what are they gonna do? Well, they I mean, it's not like he's gonna grow, you know waist length hair and a month or whatever. <laughs> but they could put a silver so. mustache on it. That would look great. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then digitally remove it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Like I said, great stories this week. Uh, let's talk about some new information about Stadia. Uh, evidently there is going to be another Stadia connect, not to be confused with Nintendo direct or Microsoft but, Xbox uh, connect or playstations whatever it is um <laughs> everybody's doing it everybody's doing it and 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 more power to them get their message out but in the meantime there was a reddit ama hosted by the uh director of product for stadia uh, andre doronichev doronichev nailed it i'm sure i got that wrong uh but andre uh dropped some interesting info including Basically disavowing the one thing that we have been praising here on this show for a long, long time, saying Stadia is not Netflix for games. No, not Netflix for games. All of us are like, finally, Netflix for games. Nope, not Netflix for games. Stadia Pro, $10 a month subscription tier that gives you the 4K 60 FPS with 5.1 surround. And it is being compared, at least by Mr. Andre, uh as more like PlayStation Plus or Xbox Live Gold. So you will get free games, but one at a time, or not one at a time, one will be added at a time, and then you'll continue to get access to the games that they have already introduced. So I I suppose at a certain point, there will be a larger catalog of games, but it's basically just one per month. And so you're not getting this huge catalog like you would expect from a Netflix. I can only imagine Microsoft is just smiling ear to ear <laughs> hearing all of this going, nobody wants to compete with us. Nobody wants to compete with Game Pass. Awesome. Um, so some other tidbits, the uh, Stadia launch uh, version will support Xbox One, PS4, and uh, other Xbox adaptive controllers, but only through the Chrome browser. So if you want to use Chromecast or Chromecast Ultra, which is required, to play it on your television, 
you can't use those controllers. You can only use the Stadia controller, which is why I suppose the Chromecast Ultra bundle that they're selling comes with a Stadia controller because you have to use that controller. Uh, and it bums me out because I was expecting to just supplant for multiplayer, supplant my Stadia controller with Xbox or PlayStation controllers, but no, not going to work. Uh, and it, and also it won't support Bluetooth audio at launch. You have to use a wired headphone jack solution. So some disappointing stuff there. Christian, I'm actually going to start with you because you're the one who has been clamoring from the rooftops about Netflix for games. I think the writing has been on the wall a little bit about Stadia, but don't you think this is a missed opportunity? Not really. I feel like um, to me, and I feel like the Netflix of games has been a label I've tried to avoid. Um, To me, it's not the library that is necessarily the exciting thing or the thing that I love about Netflix per se. Then what Netflix does it's the logo. You just it's, like that it's logo. It's a good logo, dude. Oh, dude. It's so, <laughs> so red with an N and stuff. Mm. Um, it is the availability to watch whatever I, you know, the thing I'm watching, wherever I am on whatever device I have without needing a special thing to watch it on. That, I think, is the uh, just as important about the library about Netflix as anything else. It's I'm watching, I can watch on my phone for five minutes. Uh, then on my computer, it picks up right where I left off. Then on my big screen TV, right where I left off. I don't need to do anything to have that happen. I don't need to buy a special player. To ha- I don't need to have an Apple TV. I don't need to have you know any special piece of hardware to make this thing work. It just works on almost everything now. It's ubiquitous, right? And I think that's what Stadia is going to bring to the equation. I I understand people wanting to like pick it apart, and I have reservations about Google's commitment to it as well. But Stadia is you don't need the subscription first of all you don't you don't need it it's only if you want 4k and 5.1 surround sound um which i don't have a ps4 pro or an xbox one x so i you know that's i don't need the 4k otherwise it's the service it's is free and yes you still need to buy a game just like you need to for a console but stadia is getting rid of there's no cost of entry to play triple a video games and more so play them soon and even at this soft launch or whatever period on almost anything as long as you have a robust internet connection so yes there are caveats the thing isn't fully featured it's not going to be perfect for everybody but that's the thing that i've been clamoring for more than a free huge library of games we'll get there we'll get there and ubisoft is bringing whatever their subscription service is to Stadia. I think there's a world in which Game Pass comes to Stadia if or when one of these cloud streaming services wins out, right? Like the the service that Google is providing here, I think is astronomically cool. And I think people are looking to poo-poo on it because it's not everything for free, but you're going to get an Xbox for all intents and purposes or a PlayStation, right? Without the need to pay for one. That's Awesome. Yes, you still need to buy the game. And yes, the service can turn off at any point. But that can be true for almost every single game you buy today. Almost every single game can go away. You don't own it. I'm very excited. Would I like it more if they said for $10 a month, I'm going to get all these great games? Of course. (laughs) Of course, that'd be better for me. But I'm still very excited for it. And I'm glad they're clearing the air now versus waiting for November when this thing launches. I think now we have time 
to digest it. But Ben, I'm excited to hear why I'm wrong. I'm sure. I'm wrong. <laughs> no, man, I, I'm with you. Like, I am excited for Stadia next year. I think it's basically going to be this extended beta period again. And hopefully by the end of that, I will know whether this is a reasonable alternative for me and my friends, whether I can recommend it to people. Um, so I'm totally with you in, in the big picture type of thing. And I feel like the Netflix for games label, you know, that just bubbled up out of the community. I'd, I'd be amazed if Google ever messaged it like that at any point. I feel like they've been trying to, at least before E3, I mean, their messaging has been, no, we're going to do the PlayStation Pro, you know, or the PlayStation Plus type thing where you get one to two games. But at the same time, I think their messaging is and has been and continues to be pretty weak. Like even in that Ask Me Anything, yes. when they were trying to get specifics on, okay, how many games a month? And it's like, well... Maybe one, maybe two every month-ish is basically their breakdown. It's like, what are you guys doing? you got to get this stuff in line. Stuff like it. It sounds like they don't know yet. It sounds like they're still figuring it out, which is a little scary. But yes, I completely agree. I think the messaging has been borked. And we've talked about it a lot on the show about what we would have said uh, in, in all these situations, which is basically what Christian is saying, which is like, you don't need anything. You got Stadia is amazing because you have what you need already. And you, you it reduces the cost of entry and all this stuff that they should have been shouting that from the rooftops. And that idea is completely buried and, and, and it doesn't make any sense to me. But they can't shout but, that until 2020 because it's still, there's a lot of fine print here. Like it's amazing yeah. seeing the, them run ads. You know, my YouTube uh, homepage yeah. is always covered with Stadia ads and it, they're garbage. It says, play like a founder with a picture of the Stadia controller. It's like, no kid's getting excited about that. You should say, play console yeah. games. It'll, it'll, you know, seem like, you know, some malware site, but as they play console games without having to buy anything, that's what the message should say, even at this point. Agreed a hundred percent. Agreed a hundred percent. It's a weird thing that you're trying to sell this thing. They don't even need to sell. Like that's not the service. That's not the, I don't, I don't get it. And I also think in parallel to that game pass is amazing. Yeah. And there needs to be somebody else that realizes that. <laughs> I don't understand why there's another, not another one of these companies that goes, I mean, I guess that's kind of what, Ubisoft and EA are trying to build with their like publisher specific versions, but that's not what Netflix is. I mean, it may be what Netflix turns into as Disney yanks their content and other companies yank their content because they all want to have their own. Um, so it may end up being that you get Netflix for the Netflix original programming, but what Netflix has been up to this point is this cool place where tons of stuff exists and, I want, I think that is a very valuable thing. I think Game Pass is a very valuable service for me for 10 bucks a month. I get this really awesome cross-section of curated games. And I think Google could have done that and they could have done that and gone, hey, we have this. And not only that, you don't need a console. So why would you not? It's, it seems like a no brainer and I don't understand why they zag, zigged when they could have zagged. I, it's, it's, yeah. I, I really me, fell for that guy doing the AMA as well, uh, Andre here. Like he's trying so hard yeah. to seem cool, and within Google, you know, I'm sure there's 300 eyeballs on this thing with every letter that he types. He's just <laughs> sweat dripping yeah. onto the keyboard, you know. But just in his intro, even it's just like, all right, this reads like BS. Where he's like, hey, and I'm sure you're wondering, do I play games? Hell yeah, I do. It's like, oh, come <laughs> on, man, you can't do that. This community will sniff you out in a second. No, he wasn't trying to so type true. that though. It was Google auto completing. You know, you just type hi. <laughs> and Allow us to f finish your AMA. <laughs> no. There's a, there a weird detail in that AMA buried down there where somebody asked if there's any chance of a Steam partnership. 
And this could all be nonsense, you know, but he, his response was, great question. My PR guy will kill me. We're always evaluating our options to make Stadia a better place for the gamers. Which is like, you're not mm. ruling it out. That's an interesting idea if they could ever line something up with Steam to just give you your Steam library on no matter what platform you're on. That could, that could be interesting. Wow. That would be rad. I would be rad. I'd be all for that. All right. I know we've uh, we've been talking about news for quite a while, but I want to do one last quick story because Christian, uh, I think, has an interesting take on this. Um, this was actually posted in our subreddit. Exarian posted this in our subreddit, and it is the class action that has been officially filed against Nintendo for the Switch Joy-Con drifting issues. Christian... I know that you are a current lawyer and can give us sound legal advice with no caveats. So uh, take it away. What is your take on this class action lawsuit as an official voice of the legal system? <laughs> oh, mm, uh, uh, well, um, who uh, I have suffered from this drifting issue myself. I think it is. Here's the, the my, my summary of this one, a lawyer or group of lawyers thought there was enough smoke here to take on a case uh it doesn't mean that there is actual fire but they're like hey we're willing to do this they're probably on a contingency fee basis so if a class action is successful the lawyers get a whole lot of money while each individual user gets very little um but they exist so that cases that only affect a large group of individuals a little bit can go to court because otherwise um i would never sue nintendo for the 20 dollars of my broken Joy-Con. Like, I wouldn't spend the hundreds of thousand dollars of litigation. So that's why it exists. So some group of lawyers think there's enough here to bring suit. Um, and I think the real story, unfortunately, Exarian, is going to happen when this case ends. <laughs> that's when we'll get the juicy stuff out of this, is if this case actually goes to court and there's discovery and we get to see documents and emails from Nintendo, how they were aware of it, what happened, how they tried to fix it, if it was a known shippable and things like that. That's where the interesting stuff comes out right now. Unfortunately, I think it's a, yeah, my Joy-Con doesn't work either. Er, And I think that's kind of all we know. Um, it will likely, if I had to predict, either settle out of court or be dismissed for some reason that Nintendo brings before it ever gets there. But I think there's hopefully an interesting story, what, five years down the line when none of us have Switches anymore, <laughs> when we learned what happened. All right, there you have it. So we'll we'll find out more about how this all shakes out. I'm sure we'll tune into it. But uh, thanks, Exrian, for posting that in the subreddit. We appreciate the heads up. All right, let's get to the games that we have been playing. But first, I need to thank our sponsor, Third Love. I love it when Third Love sponsors the show. It is super cool because I get to talk about my wife, one of my favorite people in the world. And uh, the fact that she loves Third Love. Third Love is a bra company. They make bras. And uh, in the it, just in the short time that Third Love has been sponsoring DLC, I have learned so much about bras and how women actually <laughs> have a difficult time getting bras, sizing bras, getting bras that fit well. But the raison d'etre of Third Love, the reason they exist is to solve that problem, to make the perfect fit. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for the perfect fit and a premium feel. What does that mean? Well, it means they have this awesome little quick quiz called their Fit Finder quiz. You just answer a few questions. It takes no time at all to do it. It's uh, 60 seconds, they say. 
uh, with that Fit Finder quiz. And over 12 million women have taken the quiz. It's kind of fun to take it. And they you end up finding out the correct bra size and shape to get because Third Love actually has a ton of research on this. They've actually made more bra sizes than most other bra manufacturers. They have half cup sizes, which is sort of a, a revolution in, in, in bras. Uh, they 78 bra sizes in total. Pretty amazing. Uh, that's one of the largest ranges in the industry. And they have a 100% fit guarantee. They have, they have this guarantee that lets every customer have 60 days to wear their bra, wash their bra, put it to the test for 60 days, two months. If you don't love it, you return it. And then third love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. That's pretty awesome. So even if you end up not loving it, which my wife can attest, uh, she loves the bra. She's like, Hey, when are they, when is that bra company going to support your show again? Uh, I, I, I want to use a code to get some more bras. I'm like, no, no, right now you can. Um, but even if you end up not liking it, you're, your action in trying it ends up helping someone in need. It's pretty amazing. These are uh, incredibly soft, smooth, and breathable. They have a huge comfort level to them. They use premium uh, fabrics and materials. It's awesome. My wife loves it. Christian, I know your wife loves her third love bra. Yeah, I mean, it's always the first in the bag when we go somewhere, the first pick for every... She went and bought a whole bunch more. I think we have like five total now. They are her go-to 100% of the time. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering listeners of DLC 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash DLC now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash DLC for 15% off t- today. T-H-I-R-D-L-O-V-E dot com slash DLC. All right, it's time to talk about the games that we have been playing. And Ben, I know that for Game Informer, you got to play a game that I have been very much anticipating. Uh, that game company's next game, Sky. Yeah, isn't it wild that that game company's follow-up to Journey came out this week? I feel like the internet is not aware of this. Yeah, I know, right? It just, it's under the radar. Uh, but that's because it came out on a platform that I don't really use. I think that's 100% what it is. Yeah, so it came out on mobile, just uh, iOS at this point, I believe. Uh, And they have plans to bring it to other systems or to bring it to consoles or bring it to PC. Uh, We just had an interview with Jenova Chen on the Gameformer Show podcast uh, this week. And he was saying that he's planning on having it leave mobile ambiguous, but he's he's planning on having it leave mobile in 2019. So Hmm. I've been playing it. Yeah, yeah, it's great news. I would love to play it on anything else. Are you playing on Apple TV or on or on like a phone tablet situation? No, just on a basic ass phone. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought I was under the impression that it wasn't even available for phone, that it was just for Apple TV, but it shows you how much I've been following it. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one to follow for sure. And it's a gorgeous game. Like my phone is red hot as I'm playing it, but it looks so great. I would love to see it on, you know, a system. And it's just, it's more journey than you think. Hmm. Um it's like even in the opening sections, you're sliding down a little sand hill. And it's like, oh, this looks animation-wise one for one with Journey. And it's just wow. gorgeous. And it's just this adventure, very atmospheric, uh, you know, artsy-fartsy enough of exploring, communicating with random people. Now you can communicate with friends, which is very different. But it's this weird twist of having all the elements that you love from Journey, 
But because of the platform, I feel like it just has these little speed bumps you have to get over where, hey, there's going to be a currency because it is free to play. And it's very, very subtle, but it just feels like a more gamified journey in a way. And it's it's a really challenging game to digest, I think, because I just want it to be one thing so badly. And because of this mobile platform where it started out and where it was developed, it just it's something else entirely. Well, that's a bummer. Uh, is it? It's it's basically journey with flying, right? That's the idea. <laughs> yeah, for sure, and a lot more systems involved there too. And there's a lot of players. You're going to be, you know, gathering light. That's the overall currency to build up candles. You can trade light with other players, and there are like those magical experiences of just experiences of just wandering into a new area, not sure what these different symbols mean around you. People are chirping. You can interact with people in new ways that's a big part of the system is almost like unlocking emotes along the way so you can eventually just go up and hug a stranger which is still a beautiful little experience even if it's on a small little phone so there's a lot of fun social dynamics there people trying to solve these pretty simple puzzles together and just explore together um it's just it's a tough one i i Hmm. hope you guys try it i mean i hope a lot more people try it it's free and it's just there seems like there's a lot there it's just tough to wrap your mind around the structure of this thing, just because the beauty of journey is how atmospheric and loose everything is. But even do you remember in journey, there's those sections where it's like, okay, the first kind of large area where you're going to worry about flying and connecting and solving puzzles. Your scarf's grow, your scarf is growing a little bit here and there. And you have that moment of like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here. I don't know exactly what's going on. Right. It feels like that blown into an entire game times 100. Huh? Well, it shows you how much I've been following it. A, didn't know it was out already. Uh, B, thought it was just for the TV. I'm, I feel very uh, ill-informed here. But I also seem to recall that it was announced alongside the announcement that controllers would work with Apple TV. Have you been playing this as a touch game or does it support controllers? I haven't tried a controller. No, I've actually just been using touch controls. And the touch controls... You know, it's touch controls after all. Not the worst, not the best, but it it still is frustrating to try and navigate this world hmm. uh, just with your fingers here. And then, what are the what are the paid aspects? What are what is the microtransaction situation? This is the confusing thing. So they bury it pretty deep. Like it's it's very kind where it is right now, but you can pay money to the the base thing will let you get more candles, which you can use as the base currency in the game. It seems like you can buy more cosmetic things, change out how your overall character looks, simple things like that. So, I mean, unless I go deeper into this thing and it really hits you over the head with it, it's it's generous as it stands right now. And I know my coworker at Game Informer, Matt Miller, uh, he's played a ton of this thing and he really loves it. He gave it like an 8.5 on Game Informer's review scale. Hmm. Um, and he, I know he is allergic to microtransactions and he didn't seem to have a problem with it. So it's a okay. good sign. Well, that is a good sign. Um, what... Journey is a game, if I remember it correctly, it's been a few years now, but I believe I finished it in like one sitting uh, and, and, and satisfyingly so. I loved it. It was just this transportive feeling of being in another place and exploring and, and just moving through this this tone, this feeling. Um, is Sky similarly brief or is there more to it? Well, they're making a living game. So it's got to be a little bit different here, right? So there's kind of like a starting hub area. And then there's doorways that'll lead you to different worlds. And each world kind of has a unique theme, overall vibe, different art style to some extent, uh, just with the environment there. And 
uh, I'm still going through that progress. But apparently once you finish that and finish the seven worlds or whatever it is, uh, then uh, it's a little bit cryptic, but uh, my coworker Matt Miller was saying that then there's reason to go back and kind of explore further and keep playing these areas with friends just to level up your wings even more and stuff like Mm. that. So they definitely want to keep you in the ecosystem. They're planning on having, you know, continuous updates for this thing. It's really bizarre. And talking to Genova Chen on the podcast, it was just bizarre to hear somebody that we know and love for games like Journey or Flower and just hear him talking about how much, because it's been seven years since Journey. Yeah. And he's spent so much time just understanding, you know, the, the mobile the mobile systems at play here and just creating a living game. And he even said that at some point uh, they basically had to reboot at a certain point because they were making a premium mobile experience and then realized we're going to get killed out there. We need to make this thing free to play and then kind of rebooted the project. But it's just so strange to hear like this very artsy, you know, game designer and director talking about, "Ah, I had to learn, you know, the mean streets of iOS free to play. It's just, it's, it's so discordant. And I don't mean to cast everything in a bad light. Like there's a beautiful experience here. And I, I do recommend checking out the game. It's just a bizarre mashup of two worlds within the video game industry, you know? Christian, do you were you aware that this game was out? I was not aware that it's out. It is currently <laughs> downloading onto my phone right now. <laughs> um, Christian's already paid four hundred dollars worth of gold. <laughs> <in there. laughs> Yeah, no, uh, I'm excited to try it, but I, I do think it's interesting to see how, because yeah, I remember it being announced as a premium game that was going to be, you know, whatever it was going to be. So I'm curious to see how it works now. And I I hope it does well. For, it's it's weird, right? Like I hope one, that the microtransactions aren't intrusive, but I also hope it does well for them because I like the games they make. So it's, I hope they're the perfect amount of intrusive, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It's really tough. And I just keep thinking about, you know, the classic video game thing to say these days. But, hey, what if this was on the Switch? What if this was like a free-to-play game on the Switch and no voice chat on the Switch? Hey, no problem. It's Journey, basically, you know? You don't want to have direct voice chat with people. You want this kind of weird interaction with strangers. But there's something about just the choice of the platform that's such a bummer. And, And it's especially a bummer because you know where they were coming from is they're like, well, we want to get our games to as many people as possible. Everybody has one of these in their pockets. It's a win-win. But there's just something yeah. lost in that translation where it doesn't come through. I just, I tend to not want to play games like this on my phone. Like you said, battery life is a concern. But also, I, I just, I'm not in that mood when I pull my phone out. I'm going to like, you know, flick through Twitter and waste my time, not play a video game to waste my time. I know uh, it. I Especially when like the game starts up and it has a big notification saying, hey, uh, please use headphones or, you know, earbuds or something yeah. because the audio... They say explicitly, which I love, the audio is more than 50% of the experience here. Interesting. But I feel like any mobile game, when it asks you to put that on, it's like, you're really asking a lot. Yeah, Yeah. that's a big deal. Yeah, Yeah. that's a big deal. Um, So that's Sky by that game company uh, available on iOS. And what else is on your playlist? This is an odd one. Uh, I'm not sure uh, what year it is, but I've been playing a lot of StarCraft II. nice but i love rts games it's it's one of my favorite genres and for some reason just this summer i got back into it and it's it's free to play at this point which is incredible like for multiplayer you have to play 10 placement matches but they also give you the entire wings of liberty campaign like the first campaign for free and that campaign is unbelievably good I, i absolutely love it um but just getting back into that game with friends has been 
the most fun I've had with gaming all year. It's because I've just been so stubborn for so long with RTS games of, I'm just going to play with my friends. We'll have fun competitions, but we're not going to be too serious for the online arena. But then just leaning into that. And for the first time, which is embarrassing to say, for the first time, really getting into a bunch of YouTube tutorial videos, watching a lot of streamers. And there's something about, uh, I don't want to say dying games, but you know, not a red hot game out there like that, that community sense where I feel like all the people that are left playing Starcraft two at this point are people who really love Starcraft two. No one's trying to get in on the what's hot and current these days. And so what's left after the, the planet has cooled with Starcraft two is just a really lovely focused, dedicated community. And I'm having such a blast with it. I really recommend it for people out there. That's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, so Starcraft two, which is, uh, has become free to play. Are you, are you uh, going to be playing any of um, the, the Conan RTS that has a really interesting co-op mode? That's why I asked, because you were talking about playing co-op with your friends. It's a really oh. interesting co-op mode. No, I was interested actually... in that one. Isn't that more of like a tower defense type thing or more of like a survival-based? It is survival-based, but it's, you know, I guess technically RTS because you're still having to build units and decide what to build and stuff. I mean, I guess that's what tower defense is too. But, um, I mean, they build it to me when I played it at GDC as an RTS and, uh, you know, it felt similar to Warcraft, Starcraft a bit, um, but it was cool. You know, you're sharing resources with, uh, with your friend and you can like divvy up like, okay, there's, they're going to be coming from the left and the right. Let's divvy up who's defending what and who's building what and it's build up our stuff. And it was cool. It was right. yeah. yeah. I'm not doing it Conan, but yeah, I, I looked at it a little bit. I might have to check it out. Yeah. Christian Spicer, <laughs> I know you are playing a hot new release. Well, briefly, because StarCraft II came up, this is um, sad news and very recent as we're recording this, but um, In Control passed away. Jeff Robinson just recently oh, yeah. passed, and he's been a um, one of those great voices, in my opinion, of the StarCraft community. Um, so since we talked about our, yeah. you know, the love for the game, just, um, you know, condolences to his family and friends, and it'd feel weird not to mention it after talking about the game is all. Breath and transition. Uh, yeah. Um, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. <laughs> you guys. Can I have a favorite game of the year that will in no way make my top five favorite games of the year? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what this game is. Let me break it down for people who haven't been following it. Picture mm, Marvel Ultimate Alliance. You got it? Great. Mm-hmm. Put it on the Switch. You're there. Give it a frame rate that chugs occasionally, an art style that looks great, but you wonder if some of the models are from the mobile game. But you know what? You don't care. They still look really good. And uh, you have no clue what's happening on screen because everything is exploding and you're having the most fun you've had on your Switch uh, in 2019. That's Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, everybody. It is wow. the, so the most fun. fun on your Switch in 2019? Well, no, I mean, I, more I, than I, Mario Maker, and I mean, no, but yes, right? yeah, no, no, Katana Zero, The Messenger, Super Mario Maker Two, uh, the list goes on and on of better games and games <laughs> that I probably had more fun with. But the joy, I mean, you saw me when I first started playing it, and I had a, a grin ear to ear, Jeff. Like, yeah, I, my current roster, I believe, is uh, Spider Gwen, Miles, Spider Man. And Luke Cage, just because. <laughs> like, you know, I was going to say Venom. Nope. You're not say, Venom. Uh, into the Spider. What? <laughs> <laughs> Spider Gwen's attacks are awesome in that game. Like, she has my favorite moveset. 
Yes. Yeah, and that's that's what's great about this game and what it does so well is that all of the characters feel different enough and animate different enough. And like um Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel, very different characters where Miss Marvel is such a brawler, bruiser, getting close, beat him up. Captain Marvel, you're shooting from afar and flying more, and Venom's moveset is really cool the way he goes into like his symbionite for sim symbiote 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 form there we go thank jeff uh and you know splooshes and splats around and you know i recommend playing it in handheld mode i I played it on the big tv a little bit it still looks fine but it's not gonna you know it's not winning any graphics awards by any stretch of the imagination and they've as someone who is a proud purchaser purchaser of ultimate alliance one and two whenever that was three years ago when the air quote remastered version came out on current gen systems like what makes ultimate alliance three so great in my opinion is that it plays how i remember one and two playing and progressing but it got rid of a lot of the annoying pain points that one and two have if you play them today where I feel like there are more frequent checkpoints in three, you get more opportunities to change your characters because of that. The story kind of moves along at a quicker pace. You're getting introduced to more characters constantly. Um, the game just really has this nice clip to it, at least as far as I am into it. And I'm several hours into the game and they're, they're good takes on the characters. They're not trying to be MCU versions of the characters. Um, the voice acting though, isn't jarring. It's not like, Hey, this isn't Chris Evans. It's, Yes, this this is what I would picture Captain America sounding like. This totally works for this character. And you're just you're just button mashing with the teensiest bit of strategy. Yeah, like, you said to me that you liked it most because you can play it with Muppet arms. It <laughs> 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 doesn't sound like me, but it's 100% accurate. So I'll take it. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you really can. And it's just... You know, there's just enough strategy to keep you engaged uh, and doing what you're doing. And and like the the environmental puzzles that happen in the game are are reminiscent of like 2006. It feels like it's like push the switches. You get you better pay attention to get through this room. And it's like you you get it right before you figure out the solution. You know, you're like, I'll try this one. That wasn't it. I guess I'll try this one. That wasn't it. I'll try this one. And then this one. Hey, that was it. What did I do? I don't know. <laughs> like, oh I'm in I love with this thing. I feel like so much of the internet is having that exact reaction of just like defending it at all costs. Like, yeah, it's kind of dumb, but it's dumb fun, which is this yes. amazing reception. And I, I don't understand how it's happening. Like we did the cover story a couple months ago at Game Informer for that game. And I played it on the cover story trip for, for hours and hours with Nintendo. And I left just thinking like, but Diablo three is on the switch. Why would anybody ever be into this? It's just, yeah, a, right. it's, it's not a great game, but yet nope. there's so many people having a great time with it. At certain points, you have to sit back and say, let the people have their fun. I, I'm glad people are enjoying it that much. Christian. Yes, the- it reminds me of a certain phrase, more fun than it is good. Ooh, Yes. Yes, and and I have Diablo 3 on Switch, and it is a vastly superior game, in my opinion, Diablo 3 is. But it is, the Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 is just the right amount. I mean, it's it's fan service, right? And it's fan service done well and played properly. And it's like winks when it needs to. It has all the characters you wanted and the outfits you want to see them in and animated versions of them that look like how you want them to look. And so it does all of those things just well enough to make it successful. Whereas Mighty Sandwich talks about Marvel versus Capcom. Uh, what 
my problem with that for Infinite or whatever the last one was is that that had all the wrong fan service and none of the characters looked how you wanted them to look or sound how you wanted them to look. And it like got all of that je ne sais quoi wrong, whereas Ultimate Alliance 3 gets all of it right and it's such a perfect game for Switch where I pick it up, Muppet Arm, as as you or I put it, for you know, 5, 10, 20, hour, and then put it down and it, it's perfect Every, no matter how long I play it. I cannot recommend this game enough and i also cannot agree with you enough if you think it's not a good game <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> i wonder if people enjoying it so much you, it's it presents such a clear tone i wonder how much yeah. that is the art style because obviously there was another round of people at comic-con who got to see the crystal dynamics avengers game and they feel like it was another round of just ah, it kind of looks yeah. man and it's too close to the mcu without being the mcu but in this case you know when you have Lockjaw and all these bright, just absurd characters thrown in there. No one's saying, ah, this Nick Fury isn't close enough, but he's kind of too close at the same time. You know, there's none of those complaints. Yeah. I mean, when you meet Luke Cage, so tiny spoiler. Sorry. I tiny spoiler. When you meet Luke Cage, one, he looks like Luke, yellow t shirt, right? He's just like, and, and he's where everything, of course, he's, why are you here? Oh, I'm here because I'm Luke Cage. Great! Luke Cage is here. And then he gets a phone call and he's like, sorry, it's my wife. And and it's Jessica Jones. Because is there a reason for that call? Probably. Do I know what it is? No. I mean, have I played through that part? Yes. But it's just like, hi, I'm a character you like. Yay! I look how you want me to look. You do! Hold on, I got a phone call. From another character you like. Woohoo! Like, it's just that. It's the Smash Brothers version of storytelling. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I... Love it. Wow. I look forward to you keep going because I, I, I'm wondering if later on some of the boss fights, I know like some people who are playing in the office were beating their head against a wall against certain points in that game, but I want you to keep going, please. Well, I'm sure I'm sure I will and I'll hate it for those moments. And then I'll I'll take my stress out and I'll play Hollow Knight or something, you know, relaxing. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, speaking of relaxing, Christian, uh, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I know that you had quite the ordeal uh, with a certain purchase this week. Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm going to blame Control, um, Remedy's the upcoming game, Control. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm very excited for this game. And <laughs> there's one of those mini promotions where if you spend too much money on a graphics card, they'll give you a game or two. And right now it's Wolfenstein, Youngblood, and Control. Control supporting that sweet, sweet ray tracing. There we go. Yeah, same, same with Wolfenstein. And because... You know, I'm a consumer in a consumerist world, and I wanted to feel joy even if for only a few moments. Uh, I bought, I decided I was going to get a 2070 Super. If only I could find one. Ah, I'm never going to be able to find, I found one and I bought one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If only I could find one. Too bad there isn't some device that can let me find anything at any time (laughs) on the planet by typing it into a search engine. Luckily, that hey. doesn't exist because now I won't be able to find it. Oh, I found it. I bought it. <laughs> They're still hard to come by, my friend. Uh, I uh, I did buy one. I bought. I have a. It's the overclocked dual Asus. 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 I, yeah. I, I was told by the company it's pronounced Asus. Oh. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I um, as well. And I have a mid or mini atx case anyway where we don't need to spend time on um several finger cuts later 
and me texting you and our friend Jordan that it doesn't fit millimeters away doesn't fit because this uh, card is a 2.7 bin card because it has two large coolers and fans on it Got it. Um, for the overclocking. And I was so upset. I was, I couldn't. And I was also distracted with other things this weekend. And all I could picture was shoving it in there. You know, cause that's what you do with expensive electronics is you just shove it force in. It. Yeah. Force it. Yeah, it doesn't force it. Force it. <laughs> yeah. So I started specking a new tower. If I'm going to get a new tower, I may as well get a new intercooler. I mean, honestly, yeah, is it the case or is it the motherboard? It might slippery be the motherboard. Slope, baby. Love that slippery slope. Yep. So I need a new motherboard too. Cause if I'm going to go for it, I may as well go for it. So I needed a motherboard, a case, a new intercooler. My i7 still fine. My GPU's here. I have enough RAM. So it's like, I'm specking all this stuff, trying to figure it out. And I was like, you know what? No, no, no. Just find your Zen moment, breathe. I totally took apart my computer, put it all back together. Me, you know, as I have a pre-built HP where I did, it's now a custom, I mean, a partially pre-built HP and I put it's it all back together. <laughs> yeah. Post-built in the way that I wanted to put things together. And my golly, if this thing didn't just fit in, you <sighs> did it, man. You did it. You I did, did it. it. And so now it. you've got that sweet 2070 super in there, right? Yes, I do. I still want all that new stuff though. Your, your life is forever changed. Uh, tell me, did you, have you played anything with it? Have you done anything only- with it? The only thing I've played on it is Quake RTX, which you already talked about. There you go. But what did you think of that sweet, sweet ray trizzle? It is really something to see. There's one moment in like a control room where you see yourself and the computers behind you reflected in a window. Yeah. And it's both magical and hysterical at the same time because <laughs> it's the most beautiful reflection you've ever seen of the 1995-iest most graphics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful ugly is what it is, yeah. Yeah, but I have Metro, thanks to PC Game Pass, queued to download after this show, so I will try that. Um, and then Control and Wolfenstein. But Wolfenstein I'm going to be out of town for, so I'm probably going to play most of that. Wait for it. On, on my switch. switch. Oh no. man, what are you doing? <laughs> that's the Christianiest thing you could possibly do. That is that is Christian upgrading his computer to play a game that he will then play on his switch. <laughs> I'm gonna be out of town. I want to yeah. play that game. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Also, Welcome to the ray tracing future. Thank you. I also sat down to play Gears 5 tech test. Uh, my queue time was an hour 45 minutes. Oh, my God. Uh, 40 minutes later, my queue time was still an hour 45 minutes. Jeff tells me to quit and restart, even though the, the queue says, do not quit and restart. You will lose your place in queue. Well, he hadn't. it hadn't changed at all, <laughs> A. B, first time ever in the history of our relationship that Christian <laughs> took any of my advice. <laughs> so I quit and restart, and my queue time was four hours and 40 minutes. Oh, my God. Spoiler, Christian still has not played the Gears 5 tech test. So yeah. maybe next week. It may as well have been Infinity. It may have just had it, may as well have just said Infinity on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. Oh, man. That was fun. Uh, I want to tell you guys about a game that I am really, really digging. Uh, it just came out on Steam. It's called Nowhere Profit. Have either of you guys heard of this game? Yeah, for sure. I have not. I'm loving it. I love it. It's basically made for me. Uh, I would describe it as a mashup between Slay the Spire, Hearthstone, and XCOM. 
So it's basically made for me. It is a card-based tactical strategy game set in the future in the sort of post-apocalyptic Mad Maxian kind of future where there are roving hordes of people and there are there are uh, shanty towns and you're trying to get batteries that serve as your currency so it's a it's a cool milieu because it's not just another fantasy setting i think it's an interesting future setting and the idea is that you are playing as this leader character who is bringing a caravan across these blasted lands, these, these, uh, you know, post-apocalyptic lands and dealing with what comes at you fighting marauders and going into uh, strongholds and trying to negotiate and buy things. Uh, But it's very slay the spirey, right? It's a, it is a big multi-pronged flow chart basically of, of level uh, and you can decide which node to move to next. And the nodes will, you'll not know exactly what's waiting for you there, but you'll have a sense maybe of how difficult it might be. Or you'll see a node far away that is a uh, a market or that has some cool resource that you want, but you have to go through a couple of uh, fights to get to it. And you're plotting out your course through this flowchart to get from, you know, big moment to big moment to fight bosses and, and so on. Very, very, very Slay the Spire which I dig. And it's also roguelike, like Slay the Spire in the sense that you're not expected to, you know, make it all the way to the end in one go. You're going to die. You're going to try again. And the game even starts with that text of like, Hey, don't expect to get through this. Uh, but I don't find it as, as, as difficult yet. Um, maybe, you know, as I get deeper and deeper into it, but uh, I played it for several hours and I'm really, really digging it. Uh, the art style is really cool and very different, very stark, very interesting, very 2D. Um, and so where it's like Hearthstone is that you are playing cards onto a board that basically are creatures. In this sense, they are your followers. They're the members of this caravan that you're leading across the the land. And um, you play them in front of you and then they can either attack other creatures for lack of a better word other followers of the opponent or directly attack the leader and when you kill the leader you win the fight so it's basically hearthstone where if you're you're fighting the the hero you know you can attack the hero unless something has taunt and then you have to attack it so it very much plays like that although the board is set up very differently there are many more uh nodes on your battle board where you can place a creature and only the front line fights. So you can actually place creatures behind the front line. And in fact, there'll actually be other things sometimes on those nodes as well. There'll be just obstacles like rocks or uh, spores. Sometimes there'll be cool things to pick up that you might have to attack and defeat even on your own side of the board in order to pick up a cool item. Uh, There'll be things that might explode and cause problems for you. So it switches things up and does some something interesting, but it very much feels akin to playing Hearthstone where you're placing creatures to be able to f- attack the leader of the opponent. And layers and layers of cool role-playing stuff and where it's like XCOM is that it keeps track of all of your followers, which are cards. They're basically the creatures in a Hearthstone deck and you can swap them in and swap them out, build your deck like you would a Hearthstone deck. But as you play them into the field of play, 
uh, using energy like you would use mana in Hearthstone uh, from turn to turn. You can, you, you know, in Hearthstone, you use them as fodder. You know, you're putting down the taunt thing so it attacks the taunt thing instead of attacking you. You'll del- eliminate uh, an enemy's creature with your creature because it doesn't matter if your creature is eliminated. That's how you're using that creature. But in this game, it's keeping track of all of them. And if you lose them, if they die on the field of battle twice, you lose that card. So you actually can heal them between fights. So if they have been killed off in one battle, they have a wound on them. And you can heal that off by going to certain things. Your health, your leader health, the health that determines whether or not you die in the game, doesn't heal from battle to battle like it might in a Hearthstone match. Uh, instead, you have to actually get to a new place and your health becomes a resource that you manage because you have to get to a certain node to be able to heal yourself back up. Uh, and you're able to acquire items and upgrade things. If your character, one of your creatures, does the killing blow in a fight, they get a cool buff that carries over into the next fight. There's a lot of really cool stuff going on here. So is that that cool XCOM meta game that's happening where you're trying to manage your team and make sure they don't die and keep them healed and upgrade them and, and give them buffs. So imagine a Hearthstone card that actually grows and changes over the course of this rogue run that you're going through, roguelike run, um, where you actually get a card that actually has awesome stats by the end that it didn't start with. Uh, that when you play it down onto the field of play, it actually has changed and grown. Really, really, really cool game. This is called Nowhere Profit. Uh, and as you go to these nodes moving through the map, there's really cool flavor text and story, and you're given uh, options. Kind of reminds me of that game Hand of Fate, which I enjoyed very much as well, where you get to, get to these nodes and it'll tell you, you know, you walk up and you see uh, you know, uh, three slaves strapped to a pole. Uh, there are marauders around them. Do you, you know, keep walking? Do you attack the marauders or do you, you know, taunt the slaves gives you like all these different options. And so then you'll actually build up different characteristics of like altruism or other things, which will unlock future options in other encounters that are locked behind these certain skill points. So if you're not altruistic enough, you won't be able to do certain altruistic options in some encounters. It's very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. And I'm really digging it. Nowhere profit. Is it just on Steam right now? Just on Steam right now. It it seems made for Switch, but it is not available on Switch. It came out, I think, uh, the 19th, just this last week. uh, And... um, I saw it on sale. It was 20 bucks. It seemed like a no brainer to me because it was like, you know, do you like slay the spire? I was like, yes, it's one of my favorite games ever. Uh, you'll love this. And I was like, well, okay, 20 bucks. I'm gonna give it a shot. I was on sale. I was like 10% off or something. And uh, man, I, I am so glad I gave it a shot. I'm really digging this game. Awesome. Yeah. Nowhere profit. Highly, highly recommend it. All right, uh, we do have a listener-submitted review. If you ever hear us um, talk about a game that you have played and you want to add in your feelings about it, or even better yet, a game that we maybe overlooked or gave short shrift to or didn't cover on the show at all and you think deserves it, you can always send in your review of a game 
to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This one comes from Carrie from Syracuse, New York. Carrie says, I love the podcast and I hope to contribute this brief review of the indie game Figment. Figment is an isometric 3D action adventure game developed and published by indie studio Bedtime Digital Games. The game differentiates itself from others with a unique hand-drawn surreal art style. The art style is fantastic. Gameplay is focused on puzzles. The player controls Dusty, a living embodiment of the protagonist's courage, and navigates the protagonist's brain to cure him from an accident-induced coma, personified as three nightmares. The game satisfyingly commits to its premise with great creativity. The different worlds are named after the functions of the brain and are thematically related to those brain functions. The environments are truly unique and whimsical. The characters are fully voiced and memorably so. There are two or three standout musical performances that are nearly comparable to the exceptional musical performances in Bastion, Transistor, and Journey. The puzzles are mostly competent, especially when they tie into the game's theme, but some are rather uninspired. No puzzles are difficult. However, the game is noticeably developed by a very small team. It's clear that many of the voices were performed by amateurs and or the same person. Also, the controls are a bit clunky, but never broken. Game suffers from long and uninspired final act, which was disappointing compared to the great earlier acts. Fortunately, the game does not overstay its welcome at an approximately six-hour playtime. Story is touching without really being very noteworthy. I would recommend Figment if you are interested in whimsical quest games with a unique narrative perspective. I would love to see Bedtime Digital Games supported for future releases and growth. I feel the studio has the potential to be great. Figment is available on Steam, PlayStation, Switch, and Xbox. However, this re- review is for the PlayStation version of the game. Thank you, Carrie. Very well written uh, and uh, interesting. I have not played Figment, but I uh, I saw it, and it looks really, uh, really lovely. I like the art style very much. All right. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of tabletop time, but first, I want to thank our final sponsor, Indeed Prime. Um, are you on your way to work right now? On your way out? Are you dreading coming into the office? Stop living for the weekend and start doing what you love with Indeed Prime. They'll help you skip irrelevant engineering, product design, and other tech roles and help you go further in your career. One free application on Indeed Prime puts tech candidates in front of thousands of companies like PayPal, Twilio, and WP Engine across more than 90 cities. It's that simple. They'll match you to the right role based on your needs. All their candidates also get one-on-one access to technical career coaching, resume reviews, mock interviews, and even salary negotiation tips to seal the deal. So whether you're hiring or looking, meet your match on Indeed Prime. Join now at IndeedPrime.com slash DLC. That's IndeedPrime.com slash DLC. I-N-D-E-E-D-P-R-I-M-E.com slash DLC. It's been a while since we've had tabletop time, but I'm so glad to hear, Ben, that you are a board game player and we can have a little bit of tabletop time this episode. Uh, What have you been bringing to the table? Oh, man, this year has been amazing. Uh, Probably because I'm just starting to get into board games. Like for a long time, I found... Well, like for a long time, I just somehow came across the game Avalon 
And that was just my staple is like, all right, every time there's a gathering, we play Avalon. It's a little bit like Secret Hitler. I assume you know what Avalon sure, is, right? Yeah. Okay, great. And it's like we have, you know, rotating interns through Game Informer. And so every intern batch, let's get together, play Avalon. And for so long, my coworkers were just laughing at me like, why this one game? There's so many board games out there. <laughs> and just this year, I finally ripped off the Band-Aid. And I'm just diving into this thing. That's awesome. And I'm having such a blast just discovering so many great games. Like, obviously... You know, Azul has oh, really yeah. risen to the top, like playing a ton of that. It's always a great time. Actually introduced it to my parents and they enjoy it, which I did not see coming at all. Beautiful game. Um, Beautiful game. Oh, yeah. yeah. And lately, like, I think maybe the one I'm most passionate this year, which I know is silly because it's been around for so long, but just really leaning into Betrayal, just the base level Betrayal, but especially playing that game with friends and just making it as atmospheric as possible, like playing only by candlelight, turning all the lights off in the house, and just leaning into the silly stories and stuff that gets generated from that horror game. Yeah, but sure, that house is the game. most fun. Yeah, yeah, it's just a blast. Have you uh, taken the leap to Betrayal Legacy yet? That is so. Uh, this is what I want your professional opinion on. Should we go for Betrayal Legacy or go for the expansion to Betrayal? I. So here's the thing. I purchased Betrayal Legacy and it's sitting in my house waiting for the right group. And I That's the problem. Yeah, that is the problem because I have heard only spectacular things about Betrayal Legacy. I've heard it's actually the best of the Legacy games, which is a very tall tall order because uh, I've loved some of the Legacy games. Um but the idea of Betrayal Legacy, of course, for people that may not be aware is that it's Betrayal on House of the Hill, but the game evolves as you play it. That you add rules you add stickers you the game actually changes and will actually tell a narrative story over the course of multiple playthroughs i think it's about 10 plays and you end up telling this tale that picks up where it left off in the previous game it's amazing um i have not played it yet so i can't tell you firsthand uh, and i'm saving this i i own it it's in shrink wrap and i'm just like (laughs) i need to have people that will commit with me to this experience because i've heard it is so good so I, I, like I said, I, I can't tell you firsthand, but I, if you have a group and you can get people to commit to playing, you know, several games of this over a period of time, I have heard that it is a really rewarding experience. Nice. Yeah. I hear that like you work your way through the generations as well, yeah. which sounds so much fun. So like each time you play, you're a descendant of the last round of characters, which, oh my God, if you have like a committed, silly story focused group, that's going to be just the best thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the game actually changes the rules change. So you're like, you're going to be playing a different game by the end than you played at the beginning, which is so rad. Um, that sounds so fun. Yeah, but the but the base game is quite good uh, as it as it is, um, especially if you like you put on spooky music and turn the lights low. It's fun to to play that game. It's a it's a really excellent game. Yeah, for sure. But I need uh, some more expert advice on a couple other topics. Okay. So please, I'm going to use this just like you know I'm dialing in to to a radio station here. I need your <laughs> need your advice. Here. Okay, what I can do. Please. Okay. Are you there, caller? Hi. <laughs> Hi. Uh, First time caller, long time listener. Um, <laughs> Two-player games yes, uh, is a sticky wicket. I don't know what to do about this because, you know, a lot of people recommended Patchwork. Right. And I bought it. I've played it a fair amount with my girlfriend. It, it's a solid time. Not blowing our socks off here. Do you have any other recommendations for just good two-player games? That is by far the most common question I get from people. And I get it. It's hard to get more than two people together. And generally, if you have a loved one, a significant other, you want to play a game that you can sit down and just play with them. So I will give you my go-to list 
that I have that I always give to people on Twitter, and I probably have written this out two dozen times of people asking. Here's here's my list: battle lines, lost cities, summoner wars, star realms, um, uh, Agricola, all things big and small. What are the other ones that I do? Um, uh, man, there's like three more. Um, I should have had this prepared. That's a good starting list, though. Those are excellent. Those, uh, especially, I love Battle Line. It's very, very good. It's basically abstract. Uh, and Lost Cities is great. You can get Lost Cities for like 10 bucks. My I, my favorite game of all time, La Havre, plays very good with two players. Better with three, but very good with two players. Um, there's there's several games that, that aren't made specifically for two players that you can play with two players, like Splendor is another great one. Yeah, uh, for sure. Splendor plays great with two players. Um, Hang on, just to back you up. Lahav? What is that? How do you spell that? Oh, uh, L-E-H-A-V-R-E. Lahavre. Uh, oh. it is, uh, it is, it's by uh, Uwe Rosenberg, who is my favorite game designer. He did Agricola and Caverna and a whole bunch of other games. Uh, Lahav is uh, a really wonderful um, Euro game where you are getting resources. It, it takes place on this river and you're you're building buildings and getting resources and then using those buildings to turn those resources into new, better resources. And it's a game where basically you have a million things you can do on your turn and all of them are awesome. So it always, it feels so good to play. There's a lot of games where it just feels restrictive and especially um, worker placement games, which is what Lahav is, is uh, oftentimes the, the, the central mechanic of a worker placement game is that other players will limit what you can do. And it's like, ah, you took the thing I wanted to do. You put your worker on it and I wanted to put my worker on it. But in Lahav, it doesn't matter how many people are playing. There's always a million awesome things. You're like the, 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 the analysis paralysis isn't, Oh God, there's nothing for me to do. Everybody took the cool stuff. It's there's so much cool stuff. What do I do? And I find that to be very satisfying and fun. You end up building these really cool things and, uh, it's a it's a great game. Simple to learn, very deep and interesting to play. That sounds great. They're all written down. Like after all this debate, at a certain point we're like, what if we just played chess? And that was honestly the most fun that we had just in two player was just hey, playing chess. It's intense as hell. Yeah, yeah with that, man. That's super cool. Uh, uh my other big question for you guys is the last one, I promise, is the opposite problem. Big groups, fluctuating yeah. big groups. Obviously, code names is a staple. I yep. still love it, but I've played it to death. Is there anything else that's great for like a big flexible group like that? The next game, if you have played too much code names and you're and you, but you love code names, the next game to get is called Decrypto. And I will tell you that game is amazing, especially if you play it with the same group multiple times in an evening. And there's really no upper limit to Decrypto. It, it plays awesome with just two. It's two teams. And you can have, if you have 15 people on each team, it's still going to be really cool. Um, it is a game where it's kind of hard to explain, but you are trying to give clues to both your team and the opposite team at the same time. But your team has more starting information than the opposite team does. So you're trying to give clues that throw off the opposite team 
and help your team at the same time. And the thing that's amazing about Decrypto is there these strategies emerge over time, especially if you play with the same groups, because you start to realize, oh, here's what the opposite team is picking up on. And here's what we can do to swerve them, to, to put in a, a clue that will throw them off the scent and make them think we're talking about a different word on the list than what we're actually talking about. But trying to clue my team in because they have more information that that's not what, what the correct answer is. It's crazy and it evolves like that. And by the end, you're like doing these, you know, fifth dimension uh <laughs> 3d chess moves (laughs) with your friends because you're all like, Oh, last time they picked up on this. So this time we're going to do it on purpose. So they think we're doing that. It's great fun. Great fun. All right. Written down. I'm excited to try them. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, there's lots of other wits and wagers is always a great one with lots of people. If you've ever played that, it's just a wits and wagers is a, a trivia game where it doesn't matter if you know trivia, which is sort of wonderful. Um, they manage to make it, you know, trivia games are basically like, do you know it? No. Well, then it's not fun. Uh, Witch and Wagers is like, do you know it? No. It's still super fun if you have no idea. Um, so I highly recommend that and works with infinite number of people as well. Awesome. Cool. Well, that was fun. That was fun for me. Um, yeah. And you've played Drawful, like not a traditional board game, but also great for groups. Oh, it's the best. Yeah, I mean, okay. Quiplash 2 in particular and TKO are, have been a staple for years at this point. Yeah, Jackbox can do no wrong in my eyes. Yeah, I feel like those are ones that often don't get discussed because they're not tabletop games, I guess. But it's like if you have a group of friends that likes code names or any game like that, I feel like it's easy to pull out. They've really lowered the barrier to entry in terms of like, it's just your phone. Um, and you can kind of play it anywhere now. They're incredible. Yeah. And Christian, I know that you uh, you mentioned you've been playing Spot It, which is it's great fun, especially for all ages. Even yeah. adults can have a good time playing Spot It. Have I? I don't know if we've talked about this before, but it blows my mind every time I play it. My kids love it, and they are you know younger. But it is art. It's like in a little tin can, a series yep. of circular cards. They all have I don't know how many pictures on it. Uh, numerous pictures, simple, basic pictures of like fruit, scissors, you know, things like that, household items, animals, stuff like that. But the genius behind the game, and I almost don't want to know how it works because I can't figure it out and I also have refused to look it up, is that every single card has a match with every other single card. So you're always able to, no matter, you're looking at one card and you have to spot the match on the next card. So if you're playing with adults or keen, keen-eyed keen people, it becomes very competitive of like finding the thing and grabbing the thing. When you're playing with, with kids, it's fun to watch them find it. And I it breaks my brain every time that every single card you can shuffle them mix them it feels like a magic trick like i said i don't know how it works i don't know if i want to know how it works but it's it's uh it's fun it's really fun it is it's genuinely fun and and it can be played with all ages and it's actually kind of a cool i don't know uh it's not educational but it like works on you know pattern recognition with kids and stuff it's not it's it's fun it's good stuff yeah yeah hey jeff i have a question for you sure where do you learn about new board games? Because I'm having a tough time finding a reliable site. Like what is like Board Game Geek seems to be the most popular, right? But I feel like sure. every board game I've looked up is between a 7.2 and a 7.7 on their scale. And it's like, yeah. wait, wait, why can't you I just go get... to, Ooh, You want to go to marvelcinematicuniverse.com. 
<laughs> done and done. The uh, Board Game Geek is the site, okay? But it it does have a steep learning curve. It's just a gigantic database that's a little obtuse, but it is the site. And the way I use it, I, I find their ratings to be entirely unhelpful. And that's because people are very, very serious about the ratings. They don't ever give games 10. Most of the hardcore on that site don't ever give games. It's not like uh, video game reviews where you can look at a number and go, oh, that gives, gives me a sense of whether it's good or not. It, it is, their numbers are, I find, completely useless. What I do is I look at what's hot, the big what's hot list on the left, or uh, I will search. There's a very, very robust search engine if I'm looking for a specific thing, like you're looking for two-player games or you're looking for games that are good, best with three or best with seven or work for, you know, you can narrow down that search. And then you go to that game's page, something that sounds interesting to you, or maybe you've heard of, of that game vaguely or something. You go to that game's page and there will be a collection of an incredible amount of writing and videos about that game, including reviews. And then you can see what people actually think about it from that, not from the number that's at the top, but from the, you know, the word that the, the reviews that people have published or the uh, game night um, records that they, people post like, Oh, we, we played this, we played these six games and this is what we, this is what we found to be the most fun. I find that stuff very useful. Or you find, you know, People like uh, Tom Vassell, who's been on the show, uh, or the Dice Tower review. They, there's a lot of people that do short video reviews, and you can see you know, what people are saying about these games. So I use Board Game Geek very, very often uh, and almost exclusively as my board game website. But it does take kind of figuring out how best to use those tools because it is just a fire hose of information. That's so wild. I, I know it's a superficial thing, but why do you think there isn't a, just a board game site that has just the game spot of board games? Hey, this one's a 9.5. This one's a 5.75. What? Why do you think that hasn't boiled up? I think uh, the tough thing about that is that these games, uh, I, maybe it's because they stick around longer. You know, you, uh, you play a game that came out in 1997 and it, 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 there's no difference between a game that came out today, right? It's, it's still a game in a box. And it, so I don't know if just the sort of um, non-current nature doesn't lend itself to that, uh, that it does need to be more of like a giant database like this. Or if, you know, there are, I, I, I don't know, there are hundreds and hundreds of games that come out every year. So that may be daunting, um, but there are great guys like uh, Shut Up and Sit Down is a great site. Uh, we've had at least one of those dudes on the show too. Um, those guys are awesome and they do a much more traditional kind of, um, you know, the game of the week or a couple of games a week reviews and their reviews are very entertaining to read and watch. Um, so there are people doing stuff sort of like that, but you're right. There's no game spot per se. Um I don't know. I don't know. Okay. That's a good question. I'll keep digging. <laughs> well, very fun talk uh, about board games. I love it. We don't do it enough here on the show, but um, we, I, when, it, when it happens, I love it. All right. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for that. But Ben Hansen, thank you so much for being here, sir. It's been so much fun. 
Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I've been listening to you guys for so long and I'm so happy you're still doing this. Thanks for putting the hard work, hard work every week. Well, we have to make this happen more than once every four, five years. So <laughs> Please do. Please yeah. do. Uh, it's been great chatting with you. Tell people where they can follow you and your work online. Yeah. So GameInformer.com uh, and the Game Informer Show podcast. We uh, air it every Thursday. So it's basically boiling down the best parts of a video game magazine, which is still around in 2019, which is very fun and wild. Uh, so it's a lot of like reviews, previews, exclusive information from the cover stories. We usually have either developer interviews or fun game trivia, stuff like that. Community emails every week. Um, and then otherwise, yeah, check out GameInformer.com. There's a lot of fun stuff going up there. Very cool. Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? Well, I might get backlash for this, but I will say uh, best cover stories in the biz still. Best cover stories in the biz. And that's not just because of the perfect uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance cover story uh, a few months back. (laughs) Very kind of you. Uh, um, Well, you can go to my website, Only Board Games, where I talk about the DC movie universe. It's uh, really great. We give everything a 9 out of 10. Um, Twitter's the best way, I think, uh, at Spicer. I think I feel like I have a show this week, but I'll be completely honest. I'm coming back from a little mini weekend vacation slash fighting with my computer. So I don't know what it is or where it is, but it's in LA and I'm sure I'll tweet about it. And it's probably the day you're listening to this. So you missed it. <laughs> uh, if, if you show up to one of Christian's shows and it's full, he'll just force you in. <laughs> no, I'll take everyone out and then put you back in where I think you should go. <laughs> uh, and then I usually stream the show uh, on my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. Uh, I usually say I'm, I'll try to find more times to stream, but then I say it and I don't. So I won't even say it this time, except I already said it. Um, but I think that's about it. Jeff, when are you reviewing all of Marvel Phase 4? Also, I am legit so excited for Kumail and that entire cast of Eternals. Dude, are you kidding me? Uh, I, I can't even. And what if? What if? Yeah, we'll be talking about that very, very in depth uh, this week on the Slash Filmcast, which is the movie and TV podcast that i do you can find that at slash filmcast.com interestingly uh, enough it's all about video games <laughs> <laughs> uh and uh i hope you take a, 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 a short three and a half hours and watch an episode of the dungeon run uh yes they are long but i promise you you will get something out of it uh the dungeon run is my live play dungeons and dragons show I am so proud of it. I know I say that every week, but it is extraordinary. This last week was an, an amazing episode, uh, as they all have been. I, I think um, I think the, the first episode, which is the one people to start with, obviously, uh, is the weakest of them. And I, I want people to like, it gets so good. But I promise you, it, these actors are amazing. I'm the dungeon master. I'm making the story up we're doing some cool, cool stuff on that show. And there's an animatronic mind flayer. Check it out just for that. Uh, you can find that at, uh, on, on YouTube or as an audio podcast. It's really actually fun to listen to it as an audio podcast. Cause it's basically like listening to an audio book where people are acting out. I do like many, many voices, uh, on the, the, uh, each episode I'm playing all the characters that the players meet. So anyway, you can listen to it that way, or you can tune in live and actually impact the story because the live audience is actually changing the story as we're doing it by tuning in on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run. I hope you check it out. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Avoid 
Ben, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I do, and it's an odd one. Uh, so Game Informer is based out of Minnesota, which in and of itself is strange. But I had one of the best vacations of my life this last weekend going to the Wisconsin Dells. Have you all heard of the Wisconsin Dells? I have not. I must admit, I have not. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe this will get you interested. It's the water park capital of the world. What? It's amazing. It blew me away. I was there when I was a really young kid and had positive memories. But going back as an adult, it's just great. Water parks all over the place. Uh, some amazing rides. It has like the absurdity of Vegas where you just drive down this little strip and it's like, oh, here's a, a, a giant Trojan horse. Here's a giant King Kong busting out of a building. Here's the Coliseum they rebuilt for some reason. Here's literally an upside down version of the white house life size. It is the most absurd town and there's so many activities and things to do. And it has a population of like 2,700 people. Hmm. So parking galore. It is so great. I I recommend wherever you are, wherever you're listening across the world, drive to the Wisconsin Dells, please. How do you, how do you spell that? D E L L S Dells. Okay. And is it like you, pay once and you get to go to all these things or are there individual water parks individual things but also a little bit like vegas uh they're big like on uh coupons and discounts and if you stay at this hotel you get a free pass to these two parks whereas this hotel it's these three parks and so if you are a fan of like wheeling and dealing and trying to wring the most out of a city uh it's great and you know it just doesn't feel gross like vegas does there's no there's no lousy sin everywhere it's wisconsin for christ's sake nobody's handing you porn on the street yeah exactly it's the best Uh, i uh i am intrigued i have not ever heard of this and now it's going to be uh on my list of family vacations someday i I recommend it please do it christian spicer what is your parting gift i finally finished stranger things so i will now wholeheartedly recommend season three i thought it was fantastic i talked about it earlier in the show how that it seems as if netflix you know walks that budget slash creature creation line so very well and they created a show that um tips its hat at nostalgia in all the right ways while being soaked in nostalgia it still continues to like wink and tip its hat at it and there were some characters and some moments in season three that I thought were series high points um, as a whole. I'm not sure if it's my favorite season, but that's so hard for me to judge because the first season just knocked my socks off with like, what is this thing that's, you know, rekindling my childhood in so many ways. Um, but season three, as these, as these actors are growing up, I think the the show is doing a fantastic job kind of aging up with them. And so if you haven't checked it out or maybe you didn't finish it, maybe give it a shot again. It's on Netflix where everything is. (laughs) Stranger Things season three. Uh, We did get a listener suggested parting gift. This comes to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This one was sent in by Garrett who says, I have two very different parting gifts for this week. The first is Emily Todd Vanderwerf's review of The Handmaid's Tale season three on Vox. It's a hard look at what it means to be a woman in America through the lens of the most recent season of The Handmaid's Tale. The other is the visual poem, mockumentary, about the Bash Brothers by the Lonely Island on Netflix. It's 80s-tinged satire at its best, from jokes about cologne and workout tapes to jokes about four halves of butt. (laughs) 
What? Perhaps a button. All right. There's a joke in everything. It also plays on visual albums like Beyonce's Lemonade and Kanye West's Runaway, which uh, makes it accessible to anyone interested in pop culture, not just baseball fans from the 80s in Oakland. I have to concur. Oh, by the way, Garrett signs off saying, uh, trying to make the world a better place. Awesome, Garrett. Thank you. Uh, I have to concur. I watched this. I, I I'm biased because I grew up in the East Bay area in the 80s, in the late 80s, early 90s. And, uh, you know, everybody that I knew growing up had Bash Brothers posters on their wall, uh, Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire. So it very much was in my wheelhouse. I have no idea what anybody that didn't know who these dudes were would make of this thing, but it is still very funny, I found. Uh, I I liked it very much. So uh, agreed, Garrett. Funny stuff. My parting gift, uh, we did a lot of food stuff last week and it got me thinking more about food. Uh, I will be alone in my food recommendation this week, but my wife made artichokes this mm-hmm. week. I love me an artichoke. There's nothing that says summer more to me than artichokes. I love an artichoke. So I thought I'd give uh, the recipe that she used that, that we uh, put together uh, because I think people perceive artichokes as being difficult and unwieldy as, as something to create, but it's really not. It's just a little time consuming, but uh, you, you set it and forget it, baby. Especially if you've got um, a um, instant pot, which is what we did. So just uh, put some water, some standing water. You steam an artichoke, so you use water. So you put some uh, cloves of garlic and uh, maybe a, a basil leaf in the water. And uh, then you put that in the instant pot, put the artichokes in there, put it in for a half an hour. Bingity, bangity, boomo. Your artichokes are ready to go. Then what you do see is you get a little of that mayo and you mix in some uh, some red hot sauce, some of that um, um, uh, hot sauce, like buffalo hot sauce or, or even sriracha. And you make yourself like a spicy mayo. Dip that bad boy right in there. You know, scrape it with your teeth as you do. Your artichoke, work your way down to that artichoke heart. Delicious times for summer. So uh, I hope people try out some artichokes because I love me an artichoke. Is artichoke a regional thing? Am I spoiled in california or artichokes available everywhere? i think you're spoiled a little bit but my family grew up with artichokes uh probably because my mom was born in california so we have some good mediocre artichokes out here in minnesota <laughs> well if you can get your hands on an artichoke i highly recommend it love me an artichoke all right on that note that's going to do it for this episode of dlc thanks again to ben hansen and christian spicer for hanging out with me thanks to the folks in our chat room for hanging out with all of us in real time making the show better we appreciate you uh, thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those bumpers. Thank you to you for listening and downloading the show. We appreciate it. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>